The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by the American Beverage Association. Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi are offering more choices, smaller portions, less sugar. Learn more at balanceus.org. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, June 11th. In today's news, new details emerge about the secret deal President Trump reached with Mexico. The Justice Department deal with Democrats to produce some Mueller documents upstages a House hearing. And Kim Jong-un's brother was a CIA source until the North Koreans often. But first, the big idea. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol officials disclosed last night that photos of travelers have been compromised as part of a malicious cyber attack. Officials said the images included photos of people's faces and license plates, apparently crossing the border with Canada, and fewer than 100,000 people were impacted. But it's a taste of the brave new world. The agency says it learned of the breach on May 31st and insists that none of the image data has been identified on the dark web or internet. But reporters at The Register, a British technology news site, reported late last month that a large haul of breached border data from the firm Perceptix was being offered as a free download on the dark web. Customs would not say which subcontractor was involved, but a Microsoft Word document of their public statement sent last night to Washington Post reporters included the name Perceptix in the title. Perceptix representatives did not immediately respond to our requests for comment. Customs and Border Patrol says copies of license plate images and traveler images collected by the government had been transferred to the subcontractor's company network, violating the agency's security and privacy rules. The subcontractor's network was then attacked and breached. One U.S. official who spoke on condition of anonymity due to lack of authorization to discuss what's going on said it's being treated internally as a major incident. The official said that Perceptix was attempting to use the data to refine its algorithms to match license plates with the faces of a car's occupants, not just the driver, but everyone in the car. The official said this was outside of the Border Patrol's sanctioned use. Perceptix and other companies offer automated license plate reading devices that federal officials can use to track a vehicle or its owner as it travels on public roads. Immigration agents have used such databases to track down people who may be in the country illegally. Perceptix, which is based in Tennessee, has championed its technology as a key part of helping President Trump keep the border secure. The company also said recently that it installed license plate readers at 43 U.S. Border Patrol checkpoint lanes across Arizona, California, New Mexico, and Texas. The breach illustrates how alluring these growing databases will be for hackers and cyber criminals. Get this. The FBI has access to more than 640 million photos, including of our passports and our driver's licenses, that it can scan with facial recognition systems while conducting criminal or other investigations. Congressman Benny Thompson, a Democrat from Mississippi, the chair of the House Homeland Security Committee, told us late last night that he intends to hold hearings next month on DHS's use of these biometric information indicators. He noted that this is the second major privacy breach at DHS so far this year. More than 2 million U.S. disaster survivors had their information revealed by FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Talk about adding insult to injury. 
You lose your home in a hurricane and then hackers get your personally identifying information that was collected by your government. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, new details are emerging on how Mexican officials convinced Trump to back down from his tariff threat by agreeing to a stringent crackdown on Central American migrants. The enforcement measures that Mexico has promised include the deployment of a militarized National Guard at the Guatemalan border, thousands of additional migrant arrests per week, and the acceptance of busloads of asylum seekers turned away from the U.S. border every day. But the preparedness of Mexico's newly created National Guard is unclear as it deploys to the Guatemalan border. The Guard, which was proposed by new President André Manuel López Obrador and ratified by Mexico's Congress in March, was never presented to Mexicans as a tool of border security or migration enforcement. It hasn't received the training of a border patrol agency and has no formal connection to the country's migration authority. It was intended to fill a security void left by Mexico's ineffective and often corrupt local law enforcement agencies as gang violence continues to climb. Trump, for his part, seems emboldened by his, as he views it, successful economic brinkmanship with Mexico, and he thinks he can use the same strategy against China next. Maybe he might also use it against France. He telephoned into the CNBC control room yesterday and asked to be put on the air. During the interview, to push back on a guest from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce who had been critical of his trade policy, the president said his next tariff target might be French wine. Trump said American winemakers have complained to him that French wine is imported at little cost, but that they have to pay a high price to export their wines into France. He told CNBC that's not fair and he's going to do something about it. That's a move that would let the president directly enrich himself. He owns a Virginia winery that his son Eric now technically runs. Number two, the Justice Department's announcement that it reached a deal to allow lawmakers to view some of the underlying documents from Bob Mueller's investigation upstaged the House's first hearing on the special counsel's report yesterday. The last-minute agreement struck one day before a scheduled House vote on holding Attorney General Bill Barr in civil contempt appeared to undercut the Democratic argument that only an impeachment inquiry could force an uncooperative administration to comply, at least momentarily. Hours later, the first hearing since the April 18th release of the redacted Mueller report failed to produce a blockbuster moment that could change public sentiment in favor of impeachment. Former White House counsel John Dean, of all people, testified about the parallels between Trump and his former boss, Richard Nixon, though he acknowledged he was not a witness of fact. But committee Republicans repeatedly mocked Democrats for bringing in Dean, a star witness from half a century ago who now has a CNN contract, as well as several other former U.S. attorneys who also have television deals and routinely criticize Trump on TV. None has been involved in the Mueller investigation. Privately, several Democrats said they agreed with the GOP's harsh assessment, wondering why Dean was called in the first place. Overall, yesterday's deal with DOJ represents a victory for House Democrats in their quest to focus public attention on Mueller's report and alleged presidential abuses of power. But it really is a limited victory. It moves them no closer to securing testimony from Mueller or other figures, including White House Counsel Don McGahn, who could galvanize the country at an open hearing. The House will proceed with a vote today on legislation authorizing the Judiciary Committee to seek court enforcement of its subpoenas. A committee spokesman said last night that further action could be necessary to secure documents and testimony not covered under the new agreement. Number three, Kim Jong-nam, 
the half-brother of Kim Jong-un, who was killed with a nerve agent at a Malaysian airport in 2017 by agents of Pyongyang, was a CIA source who repeatedly met with operatives from the agency. That's according to a story in today's Wall Street Journal. But it's also a nugget in a new book that comes out tomorrow from the Post's Beijing bureau chief, Anna Fifield. Many details of Kim's relationship with CIA remain unclear. Several former U.S. officials say the half-brother, who had lived outside of North Korea for many years and had no known power base in Pyongyang, was unlikely to be able to provide details of the secret of country's inner workings. They also said Kim, who mainly resided in the Chinese enclave of Macau, was almost certainly in contact with security services of other countries, especially China's. There had been chatter at Langley at one point that Kim Jong-nam might be a possible successor to Kim Jong-un if the latter's rule was in danger or that he was deposed. But several former U.S. officials told the journal that the agency concluded after meeting with him that Kim Jong-nam was ill-suited to fill such a role. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, June 11th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.